The text for this morning's message will be Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We'll be looking at one particular verse, verse 3. Romans chapter 12. Let's go ahead and begin in verse 1. We'll read down through uh, verse 3. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. So we'll talk this morning about the importance of humility. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I thank you for this day and for the wonderful blessing it is to gather together. Lord, I ask that you be with us now as we come to the time of preaching. Uh, Remove the distractions from our minds. Help us to hear, to be attentive, Lord, and, and help us to look within ourselves and make a right estimation and have a right look at our own lives and help us to leave from here changed, humbled, that we might be about your business and your work. Lord, I thank you again for all that you've done. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. So as we're taking our, our first steps in our vision that we've laid out for 2021, which is moving forward, the idea of being busy about his work. It's very important, it's paramount that we keep in mind uh, a couple very important principles. And a couple of these we've already talked about. Uh, We've covered them in in past messages. The first one being the absolute necessity of having Jesus as our foundation. Jesus Christ has to be the rock of our lives or everything else we do is going to be in vain. Without Him as Savior, without Him as the solid foundation... Everything else is futile. It will wash away. It will dissolve. It will come to nothing. So that has to be step number one. We have to have Christ as our foundation. Not only just as Savior, but the very thing that we build our house on, the very thing that this church is built on, has to be Jesus. So we have to keep that in mind. Number two was the importance and the call to be busy about God's work. That this year, as we go into this year, we want to move forward being busy with what God has called us to do. And we can find ourselves to be busy with many things. And too often, we're busy with everything but what God has called us to do. So I don't want to preach on those again. We've, we've preached on those the past few messages. But both of those, if we really think about it, lead right into our subject for this message. Our lives are to be built on Him, not us. And the tendency of the human mind is to build ourselves on us and what we think and our goals and our, our thoughts and our, our accomplishments. We're not to be built on us, we're to be built on Him. And we're to be busy about His work and not ours. And all of that, if we truly stop and think about, is going to require us to think humbly. Pride needs to go out the window and we need, it needs to be replaced with an attitude and a mindset of humility. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Humility. 
we ought to be humble as servants of God. And this should be no surprise. This shouldn't be anything new to us. And it's no surprise that it's put here as Paul is turning a corner in chapter 12. He's going from the deep doctrine he's discussed and the greatness of the grace of God and mercy of God and salvation and in calling us to walk with Him. He's, he's turning the corner now into the practical application for our everyday lives. When he says, therefore, in chapter or verse 1 of chapter 12, he's pointing back to the previous 11 chapters, calling us to be living sacrifices, to have a transformed mind, a renewed mind. And it's no wonder that the first thing he says right after that is, hey, we need to be humble. If we're going to live as sacrifices, if we're going to have a mind that's not conformed to this world, but it's transformed and it's renewed, first stop, humility. Humility. (laughs) And let's be honest, we need to be humble, don't we? Think of who he's writing this to. We know this applies in our day, for sure. Just look around us. But if you stop and think of who he's writing to, it's not all that different. He's writing to Romans. Rome. It's like the capital of the world then. That's where the one who ruled the known world was. It was the center of power of the law, of technology. And it would be quite easy for a Roman citizen who's part of the ruling class of the world to look down on others, wouldn't it? To take pride in human accomplishments and to push God to the back. (laughs) The people who he's writing to is not altogether much different than America today. We have this mindset of we are the best simply because we live here. We are above all other nations in the world just by uh, being who we are. So pride is bred into our very society, not to mention the sinfulness of our own hearts. It's all around us. It's very easy to get prideful. And we know the tendencies within our own hearts. We know what society is saying and the pride that it has taken on. And so Paul stops here. His first stop is to address the Christian killer. You want to kill your Christian life? Let pride get in the mix. The witness reverser. Does that make sense? (laughs) You want to blow your witness? Have a prideful attitude. Then everything you've said about God, all of a sudden is forgotten and it's your pride that sticks in the way. Pride is our number one enemy, isn't it? It is easily by far the sin that keeps most people from God. Pride. It is easily by far the thing that ruins most relationships, not only between us and God, but between each other. Marriages wrecked by pride. Families wrecked by pride. Churches wrecked by pride. We could spend so much time, but I think all of us here today have a pretty good sense of what the Bible says about pride. You could read the book of Proverbs over and over. It tells you about pride. I'll quote to you Proverbs chapter 6. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination to Him. And what's number one on the list? A proud look. A proud look. What is it the Lord hates? What does He find abominable, disgusting? Number one on the list is pride. A proud look. 
James chapter 4 and 1 Peter chapter 5 both say the same thing. God resisteth the proud. There is no more, there is no thing more anti-God than pride, isn't it? Because it is taking down of Him on the throne. It is taking uh, down His word and His law and placing ourselves in the place of God. To where I know best, what I say goes, and my thoughts reign supreme. Well, the Bible's clear how God feels about it. He resists those who are proud, and He hates that prideful attitude. And it does not matter if this is your first time hearing a sermon, or if you've been saved and serving for years. The same thing still holds true. There is no room for pride in our lives, and we need to humble ourselves, don't we? just has a way of creeping back up, doesn't it? Of getting back in our heads and we start getting back on top and we start listening more to ourselves and our own hearts rather than what the Word says. So Paul, right out, right out of the gate here, as he's, he's addressing how to live out the doctrine we believe, how to practically live that out. He's going to stop and he's going to attack that. So let's, let's listen to the warning. Notice in the text in verse 3 is where we'll be working through What he says first, For I say through the grace given to me to every man that is among you. As Paul is going to to attack at the root of so many problems of pride, he says something first, and I find it very interesting. I want you to notice that it is a message of grace. For through the grace given to me to every man that is among you, now this is a little this is an interesting little phrase through the grace given to me. Paul uses it quite a bit actually. He uses it over and over in the over and over in the book of 1 Corinthians, in Ephesians, in Galatians, and it usually follows or usually precedes something he's going to say that's going to sting. Like, hey, I've got something that's really hard to understand or that you really need to get a hold of, and he says it I'm going to say this through the grace that is given to me. He says something that's true, that is hard to accept for our flesh, but also that's something that brings grace. I found this uh, quote when I was uh, studying. One commentator said this, Whatever is important is difficult, and it is exceedingly important and difficult to every man to take a right estimate of himself. Does that make sense? The important things are hard. They're usually hard for our flesh. That's why we have to ask for grace. We have to ask for mercy to to accept Him. And one of the hardest things, if not the hardest thing, from start to finish in our relationship with God is to truly look at ourselves and take a hard, real look at who I am. Because quite often, we're not going to like what we see. We've built this image of ourselves in our own minds, and we have to, through the Bible, take a step back and really look and say, hey, maybe there's some issues. And Paul is saying that. You need to know the truth about yourself. And the truth often wounds us, doesn't it? The truth often stings. It's hard to the flesh to hear. But it is that same truth that tells us where we fail that opens us up to the grace of God. Does not the gospel do that? 
Does not the gospel, the first message of the gospel say, hey, we are sinners in the face of a holy and almighty God? And that is the first thing we have to accept. I am not right with God. I need help. But accepting that fact opens us up to the wonderful grace of Christ, doesn't it? That He is the one who has come to save us. That He is the one who makes us whole. But if we never accept the hard truth to begin with, we never get to the grace that is waiting for us, do we? And it is the same with our prideful hearts. Each of us, and this is a message to everyone, that's what Paul says, right? I'm talking to every man that is among you. Each one of us need to, to stop this morning and take a look at our own hearts. From a pastor to a prostitute, from a deacon to a drug dealer, it doesn't matter who it is. We have to take a good, right look at our own hearts. And here is the message of grace that Paul gives Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Don't think higher of yourself than you ought to think. Now, you think something of yourself. Good, bad, or indifferent. You have an opinion of you. The problem is, quite often it's too high of an opinion. Your thoughts are best. You're right. Your way is right. I'm going to do things my way because it's the best way. And too often, that's at the expense of God's Word. I'm right. God's secondary. If His Word lines up with what I think, well, then we're good. And if not, well, I'm going to go with my way. My question this morning is, do you find yourself thinking that way? Do we as church members, even though we know better, do we still find ourselves at times thinking that way? Like, I know God wants me to do this. I know God wants me to act this way. But I want to do this, and I'm going to do this regardless what God says. Do we find ourselves thinking that way? And if we do, we need to take a good hard look and realize that is pride. That is pride. Oh, we can call it so many things like, oh, the Holy Spirit is leading me to do this. Even though the the Word of God says this, well, you know, the Lord just laid on my heart that I need to, to be this way, I need to say this. I've heard that so many times. That's pride. When it's going against God's Word, that's pride. And it always gets us into trouble. We ought to take a good stock of our own heart, a good look at our own mind, and see, is there pride? Sometimes that's hard. The same commentator said this, A man's mind is too near a man's mind for a man's mind to see it clearly. (laughs) Because the judge, the witness, and the examiner are all one and the same. You can make a good case for yourself. And you can justify yourself. And you can get yourself off the hook. Because we love our opinions and we love our thoughts and we love our decisions. We love being right and doing as we please and answering to no one but us and being the master of our fate. I'll do what I want, thank you very much. After all, I'm usually right in what I want to do. And that's us, all of us to one extent or another. But there's a problem That's thinking too highly of ourselves. And what we need is the truth of God's Word to come in and show us, hey, 
there's some issues. The Bible is clear. It says man's heart is exceedingly wicked. Who can know it? We're following our own heart. Our own hearts are wicked compared to God. Paul says, in my flesh dwells no good thing. This is a man who knew himself and who had been walking with God for many years and he takes a look at himself. He says, hey, in this flesh, there's nothing good. And that pride, well, the end of, the pri- the end of that pride is destruction. Pride cometh before a fall. And the Scripture tells us we are fallen, we are sinful, and our pride takes us away from God to destruction and heartache and foolishness. And we have to be told that. We have to be told the truth of what pride can do. And God, by His grace, does exactly that. It's grace that, as, as Brother Bob mentioned in the, uh, the devotional, it's grace that sheds light on our sin, that shows us where we are wrong. It's grace that tells us the truth. And Paul does so right here with this little phrase, you're not as good as you think you are. I am not as right as I think I am or holy as I think I am. So stop thinking of yourself so highly. We are not to think of ourselves highly, but what does it say? But to think soberly. Soberly, free from influence is what the word means. And man, don't we do that when we're thinking about ourselves? We influence ourselves to convince ourselves that we're right, or we surround ourselves with supporting people or supporting evidence, whatever it may be. And those things that call us out, we kind of push away. But I say to you, it's grace that tells us what we really need to know. It's grace in the Word that shows me, hey, I am not right. I am prideful. It's grace that bears what I would cover up. Hey, we're really good about telling people about our good qualities, aren't we? Oh, I'm just so this. I'm so smart. I'm so good at this and that. We're really good at focusing on those things. But what about the places where we need work? Oh, we're kind of quiet about that, aren't we? We're good at turning those away so people only see the good side and not the bad side. But it's the grace of God that calls us out and say, hey, look here and look there. There's issues. You're not as good as you think you are. It's grace that tells us the truth and shows us our fault. It's grace that tells us, yes, God resisteth the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. It's grace that tells us, humble yourself on the side of the Lord and He will lift you up. It's grace that tells us this. What does the Lord require of you from the book of Micah? What does the Lord require of you but to walk humbly with your God? Jesus in grace says, Everyone who exalteth himself shall be humbled, but he who humbleth himself shall be exalted. It's God's grace that tells us, Hey, push down that pride. Turn away from the pride. Humble yourself before God. And that is the message of grace to each of us. We ought to be humble, not prideful, not lifted up in our own minds. But this morning, as we face what God has called us to do, not just today, but tomorrow and the rest of the year, for the rest of our lives, we ought to be humble. So I want to look at that this morning. 
I want to look at the importance of humility. What is it we should do? And that, by the, word, by the way, that word humble means one who is low, lowly in mind, one who has brought himself near to the ground, as we would imagine somebody bowing before a king or somebody worshiping, one who brings himself low. Okay, well, how do we do that? Because I don't want to be lifted up in pride with my thoughts about myself way up here. I want to be humble before God. So how do we do that? Well, just a few thoughts this morning. The first thing we ought to do is have humility with the Word. We ought to have humility with God's Word. By far, number one problem in our life, isn't it? Number one problem. Why are so many separated from God? Why are so many not living as they should? Why are so many facing unnecessary hardship? Why is this world so messed up and churches messed up and families messed up? Because we will not listen to and obey what God says, right? Number one problem. We will not obey the Word of God. And the number one reason we don't, I don't like it. Think about it. Think about it in your own lives. Think about it in people's lives that you've witnessed to. Why do they not obey? Because it's too hard? No, it's not too hard. Because it's not clear? No, it's crystal clear. Number one reason is because I don't like what it says. So I'm going to say, nope, I'm going to do what I want. That's pride. That's pride. And again, it doesn't matter if you've been saved for 30, 40, 50 years? Or if this is the first time you're hearing the Bible, we as humans hear God's Word and we make decisions in in our own head or in our own hearts. And the number one reason we walk away from God is a prideful heart to say, I don't like it. I'm not going to submit myself to the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 2 says this, God speaking, To this man will I look, even to him that is of poor and a contrite spirit and that trembleth at my word. Who is the one that I look upon, the one that I regard, the one who trembles at my word? You see, we need to humble ourselves. We need to bring ourselves low before, the, before God and His word. This is His word that we read and that we study and we spend so much time. It is given by Him to tell us what we need. Do you want to know what God requires of us? Do you want to know what God wants to do with us and for us? We find it in His Word that He has given. It's all right here by His grace to tell us everything we need to know until we stand before Him face to face. It's given to direct us, to guide us, so He draws us closer back to Him. It's not given for you to proofread. Or edit. Well, Lord, I think you made a mistake. You know, there's a couple verses in here I, I, I don't like. Yeah, and if we could take those out, it'd be really good. It's not given to us to proofread or to edit. This is not a menu. It's God's Word that we are to humble ourselves before and say, yes, Lord. But yet... Oh my goodness, so often we exalt ourselves above the, the living written Word of God. We think so highly of ourselves that we convince ourselves we have the, 
the, the choice to pick and choose. And we have the authority to say yes or no to whatever the word says. We don't. We don't. That's the fact of the matter. If we would have eternal life and forgiveness of sins, the Bible tells us how. That we are to listen to the truth that we are sinners whom Christ came to save and we are to humble ourselves before Him and cry out for mercy. Any other way, it doesn't happen. Plain and simple. If we are to walk in a right relationship with Him, we are to listen to His commands when it says we are to be united with His people, the local church, and and to live for Him. And we either humble ourselves to that or we don't. If we are to be a living witness for Him, we listen to the truth of of how He tells us to live and to to push our flesh down and to, to be righteous and to be holy in His grace and His power. And we either humble ourselves and do that or we don't. It is really that plain and simple. And somewhere along that line, from coming into a relationship and being born again to to walking and serving Him, somewhere along that line, we reject and we say, no, I'm not going to do it. We reject His Word in favor of our thoughts and our feelings and our goals and our perspective. It's like I said, I don't like it, I'm not going to do it. And it it can be in many different ways. Whether submitting to Him Following Him and saying, yes, you know, I need to be saved. I'm a sinner. Or, this is what you want me to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to read my Bible. You know what? We can say, I don't want to. I'd rather go on Facebook. Or, I need to give my money. You know, you know what? I want to buy this. Or, I need to show up. Or, I need to call my brothers. Or, I need to do many different aspects. We know what the Word says. We can either humble ourselves to it and obey, or we reject and we say no. What we ought to do is we ought to hear the word and we ought to tremble and bring ourselves low under it and say, yes, Lord, what would you have me to do? Rather than say no to his face. We ought to humble ourselves to his word. That's going to have to be the first step we take. If we're going to move forward, if we're going to grow in our relationship with Him and see other people's lives changed, the first step we have to take is humbling ourselves under the Word of God. What would you have me to do, Lord? Show me, tell me, and I will do it. We ought to do as Israel said, every word the Lord has said we will do. Or as Peter says, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus Himself says in John chapter 6 and verse 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. This is the word of life given to us so that we might walk with God and might serve Him in an acceptable way. So that's the first instruction that we would humble ourselves under the word. Second thing I'd like you to think of is that not only should we have humility with the Word of God, we ought to have, have humility with the world around us. Now track with me here. This can be a big problem for us, actually. Let's say, let's say we're doing what God wants and we're, our life is in the right place. Pride can still come in and be an issue. okay? And quite often it's, A pharisaical pride, like the Pharisees. A pride that says this, Whoa, this place is messed up. Thank God I'm not like them. 
We listen to the TV. Look at all those, look at all those people doing those things and, and marching on that. And I can't believe they passed that law. Man, I'm glad I'm not as screwed up as the people around me. That's pride. That's pride. There's truth to it. <laughs> but too often, we take on a prideful aspect. It's very easy to look around and to look down our nose and think a little bit too highly of ourself. How could they? Just look at that. Thank God I am not like this man. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want you to see something here. I don't know if you write in the margins of your Bible. You might write here, First Baptist of Corinth, by verse 9 through verse 11. Get to know these people. Paul says here in verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9, excuse me. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? And we say, Amen. They, sh- they shan't. All these unrighteous people around us. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Pause there. We say, Amen. Look at all those people around us that are just the same. They've got no place in the kingdom of God, but thank God I do, because I'm not like them. Right? That's what the prideful side of us can say. Notice verse 11. And such were some of you. You used to be the same. You know what the church of Corinth was made up of? People that used to be fornicators and idolaters and adulterers and effeminate abusers of themselves with mankind. By the way, I like those verses. It tells that God can change the heart of someone who is in sexual sin, even homosexuality. Because people here serving God at Corinth used to be that way. Or thieves or covetous or drunkards or revilers. No, they were, they were in a position where they would not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, but such were some of you. And what? You are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the Spirit of our God. You used to be the same way, but God changed you. Praise God for that. You used to be living in these things, captive to these sins. But the Word of God and the Spirit of God came along and you were washed and justified and sanctified. So, hey, we got no call to look down on anyone around us, do we? Because we used to be the same. Look outside at the world. That used to be us. That used to be us. But someone reached out to us, didn't they? In humility, knowing the power of God to change our lives. And aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that somebody didn't look down their nose, but they loved you? And they told you the gospel. They invited you to church. And then God did a work in your life, didn't He? So how about us, instead of getting on our high horse and thinking too highly of ourselves and looking down, how about we get down on that level and go humbly with the gospel message which is able to save all that believe? It is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. It is Christ-like to humble ourselves and to go and share the gospel. So if we're going to move forward and be busy about the work of God, we've got to throw that aspect of pride out, right? God can change anyone. 
God still saves. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. The gospel saves. For God forgive me if I be so prideful to think less. So not only do we need humility with the Word of God, not only do, do we need to show humility with the world, let's think about this too, we need to show humility with each other. Can pride be in a church? Oh yeah. In fact, Satan wants nothing more than that. And in fact, that could be where he works the hardest. To get in and mess everything up. To make clicks or popularity contests or comparisons. Whatever he can do to get God's church focused on anything else but what God has called them to do. And so many churches have been destroyed by that and rendered useless. I want you to go with me to a couple passages as we move to a close. The book of Philippians. Let's go to the book of Philippians in chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. In fact, when Paul is writing in Romans chapter 12, he's speaking within a church capacity. And he's telling each church member, hey, don't, don't start getting all high and mighty on yourself. Think soberly. Philippians chapter 2, he tells the church at Philippi the same thing. Verse 1, if there be therefore any consolation of Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. That's a good way to live within a church, isn't it? That's a good way to view our brothers and sisters, preferring each other, lifting each other up. Verse 4, look not every man on his own things, but, let, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to that wonderful phrase about the condescension of Christ and how Christ humbled himself to come here and to die for our sins. He says, hey, you guys need to have that same mind. It is a mindset of humility. It is a mindset of having the same love, having the same goal. Even with those who may stumble and fall, Galatians. Go to the book of Galatians. So make a left turn in your Bible, just a few Pages, Galatians in chapter 6, verse 1 there. Galatians 6 and 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, talk about him behind his back. Tell each other how much he has fallen. Say nothing to him, but whisper about it in private. Is that what the Bible says? No. No. But that is so often what we do, isn't it? Somebody begins to fall. Somebody begins to struggle. And the prideful aspect of human nature is to whisper, can you believe what she's doing? I cannot imagine why he would do this. It's the same pharisaical attitude that we can have with the world. We can have with each other sometimes. Listen. At some point, I'm going to slip. I'm a pastor, but I'm still human. At some point, I'm going to say something dumb or do something dumb or maybe stumble and fall a little bit, just the same as each one of you are, right? We're human. We fall. We make mistakes. 
We have to understand that none of us here is perfect. Only Christ is perfect. And what happens when one of us stumbles? Here's what Paul says. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. Come alongside him, lift him up, lift her up, and bring her back. In the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You know what that means? We're not above anything. Somebody else may fall and they may stumble and we need to come alongside them knowing, hey, I've got the same sinful tendencies in my own heart and I am just a step away from falling. So come on, brother. Come on, sister. Let's lift you. What can I do to help? Let's, let's pray. Let's have the same mind and the same love for one another. Right? Not prideful. Verse 2, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if, for if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. And let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not another. For every man shall bear his own burden. We need to look at ourselves and realize, I am fallen. I've got those own sinful tendencies. I've got enough work to do within my own heart. So who am I to look down and judge others, right? No, instead... Instead, we ought to be humble with each other. And we're going to dive deep into this in the coming weeks as we look at some more things in Romans chapter 12. But the Scripture is clear. Here, we're all equal. We are all equal. We are brought together in this beautiful mix by the hand of God. And we have different strengths, different struggles, but all of us saved by grace and looking to serve Him, right? All doing our best to live for Him. So there's no room for high thinking in the church. There's only room for humility. The call to the Christian is to bring ourselves low under His Word and with each other. And it has to be in place as we're going to move forward. But here's what I want to finish with. One thing that needs to be said. So yeah, we, we need to throw pride out the window. We need to be humble. Not thinking too highly of ourselves, but we ought to think soberly and not irrationally. Soberly, not irrationally. Sober means to be free from influences and to be in a right mind. A right mind with clear thinking. We're not to be prideful and we're not to think too highly of ourselves, but we are to think rightly. There's a difference between humility and depression and self-depreciation. You know that? Humility is is not dwelling on how bad you are because the pendulum can swing the other way. And I I hope this is clear. We can get to the point where we say, I am no good, I am nothing, I am useless, I am terrible, I can't do anything. Now, while we are sinful and we are weak, yes, that is true. But to say I am no good and I am nothing, that is not true. Here's why. Yes, we're sinners, but God loves us so much He sent Christ for us. And yes, we are fallen, but Christ gave Himself to save us. And the Bible says that He has lifted us up and set us in heavenly places and He has called us with a holy calling to shine His lights in the world. And it says in Ephesians 3 that Paul's prayer is that we would understand the love of Christ and the depth of, of that love for us and 
that we would be filled with His fullness and that we go in the power of His Spirit. And Romans tells us, He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And Scripture goes on and on to tell us how precious we are to God, how loved we are of God, how empowered we are for the task at hand. I just want to say, humility is not a willful willful ignorance of that. Humility is knowing I'm a sinner, I fall short, I have a fallen mind. But God in His grace has given me so much that I don't deserve. He's given me salvation. He's called me to walk with Him. He's given me guidance and power through the Spirit to be a witness to those around about so those that are lost might hear His Word and be saved and know Him in the same way. I don't deserve that, but yet God has called me to that and given me the resources I need. And we bring ourselves low in thankfulness and gratitude and rise up humbly to do His work, yielding to His Word, loving the world around us and lifting each other up. I think that's a good definition of the humility that needs to be in our hearts. And it's paramount that that be in place as we move forward. If we would see great things done here at Faith Baptist or great things done here in our lives over the next year, we ought to humble ourselves. Not to think of ourselves too highly, but to think of ourselves soberly. So that's the question this morning. Have you humbled yourself? Have you humbled yourself at His Word? Obedient to it? Or do you find yourself resisting? Knowing what God would have you to do and know what God has called you to do and you find yourself saying no, be careful with that. God resisteth the proud. Do you see yourself so much better than the world and those around that you look down your nose? Don't forget God changed you and brought you out of that. And He can change the hearts and lives of those around you if we would humble ourselves and go to them. Or do you find yourself looking down on your brothers and sisters in Christ? I say right now, that's as foolish as looking down on your left hand because it doesn't write as good as your right hand. You need both. You need both. We need each other. And we are all part of the same body here. So there is no room for high thinking in the body of Christ. But humility. So maybe this morning... We need to humble ourselves. Throw out pride and throw out prideful thinking. Humble ourselves under His Word and then go to the work that He has called us to do. Let's close in prayer. Father, I pray the Word's been helpful. They would cause us to take a look within our own hearts. Show us where we fail You. Show us where we are too high and lifted up in our own thinking and our own hearts, Lord, and help us to humble ourselves before You, humble ourselves before the call of Your Word, and then go to the world and be busy about Your work. Lord, You know the hearts here, as we all know our own shortcomings and failings. Lord, I pray that You would move now among us and in us and do the work uh, that you only You can do and help us to humble ourselves before You. I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.